It's the Tiltcast, episode 456, From the Waist Up. And this week, guys, we talk more Battletech and Valheim. Semi-pro. Or talk the Desolation. And Loop Hero. Stay tuned. Wearing shorts. The party's down below, guys. Okay, shake that G Fuel. Wow, it's the Tiltcast. Not sponsored. Not sponsored yet. But we are Sponsor all three G Fueling. Sponsor us. Uh, yeah, we're basically all drinking G Fuel at the moment. Wow. Hey. Hey, and we're back. And just to get it off the off the table here, we are an M-rated show. So, I'm Nos. I'm Jason. I'm Rusty. And together, you're going to get about 30 minutes of both. Okay. Shit. All right. Bullshit. <laughs> some games no, and some I news. I don't know about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jason has taste tested and decided that that was shit. Um, that's not terrible. It's not terrible, but he's ter- he's trying. He's phase like liz- ba- he's lizard lipping over there. He, he's he's tried phaseberry and phaseberry isn't terrible. It's not bad. I mean. I feel like I feel like if I'm going to drink this flavor, I need like to carry a thing of lime juice with me. Oh, squirt into it. It's not nearly that bad. I've got some in the fridge in the door. Go go get yourself a squirt. I'm I'm going to get myself a squirt. (laughs) Go get yourself. I'll be right back. Today is uh, March sixth at nine twenty eight p.m. Just getting that off the bat to make sure that Rusty stays uh, consistent with his. I am fine. Fuck! I was I was the fr- I was the first one done last week. I have to poke and prod you two. Anyway, hey, but if you haven't noticed, um, every episode is going to come out at some point on Monday. Yes, um, as we've been endeavoring to uh, make that a little bit more regular. Yes, which means that we recorded that episode two days prior. Right, and we're going to try to stick to that schedule as uh, as as diligently as possible. Um, With honestly, if you uh, pay attention to what the that was a floppy ears from the deaf dog. Oh. Uh, if you pay attention to the Twitter, that's actually where I'm most active with Tiltcast. Yes. So uh, anytime there's any kind of update or change or whatever, it'll be on there. But what? some other things to know, and somebody was asking me this on Twitter, is when I post that, I'm literally posting it right after I upload it to the site. Yes. Spotify and iTunes take two to four hours. iTunes is the slowest. Spotify is the fastest, but it usually takes about two hours for it to upload to Spotify. If you want to listen right away, um, just go to the just go to the website because the website links there as well. Yep, you can download you can just, the MP3 right there or stream it. There's yep. two different spots for every episode to stream it, and if you want to see all the images that don't show up on Spotify or iTunes, um, but just show up on social media, that's all there as well. Yep, Jason does. Some pretty damn good work on that. Now that I gave that uh, that task to him, um, <laughs> I mean, it it really kind of depends. I was, some some I was, weeks it's really easy. Some so, weeks I'm like, what the, the fuck do I do with this? I, I'm doing like sixteen hours worth of work <gasps> on an image. Welcome to my fucking last like two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, and then. The whole entire inception with Trent doing it all the time. Right, exactly. So, yeah, the images. When I said that there was problems with the images and I was worried about it, that's why. <laughs> but, um, like, for example, if you guys have seen the game of, 
the game of the year uh, episodes. Yeah. That last image, all those logos. Those sucked. That was nearly 20 hours worth of work. Yeah. For a single image. Getting transparency layers on stuff. I mean, I- I- image editing is uh, is always fun, and it's even funner with the program that you use because I, I can't, I-, I just won't. <laughs> he uses what? Uh, oh, you're not I using... use GIMP. Yeah, I was going to say Yeah, he was GIMP. GIMP. I, I have, uh, at least ha- I have fucking Adobe. G- so. GIMP's not that bad. You have to know, you just have to know going into GIMP that you are going to... A lot of things that are one or two steps with Photoshop are you're, 18 you're steps. gonna do uh three or four additional steps to that to get the same result. I don't know. There's books on yeah. how to use GIMP and us. I looked at it, I'm like, that's what just this is way easier on Adobe, so I'm just well, gonna do that. I lost Adobe right, once Adobe went to the annual subscription Gimp, model. GIMP yeah. is free. Yeah, GIMP is free and Adobe Photoshop just to get Photoshop is like what ten or fifteen bucks a month or something like that. So yeah, it's there's there's a difference in quality and it does make things faster, but if you can do the same thing on uh, on a free service. Uh, well, if you're not it. if we were if Jason was editing every single day we might invest in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. For, He's editing yeah. once oh, a week. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm editing one image once a week. If if we got into uh, me having to edit images and videos and yeah, 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 then yes, the Adobe Suite would be in my hands. But yeah. But until we get to that point, there's no reason for me to do it. And now Rusty's going to get mounted. <laughs> what a segue, dude! What a segue! I mean, yeah, he's, like, he's over here dog, trying, trying to tell her the, to, to to go down. He's like, the, she just looks at him longingly, and the smile is there. Come on, there we go. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting ah, for it. Love. <laughs> you, you are such a cute fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ! Right in the fucking mouth hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just French kissed a dog. It's okay. We got we swapped spit. <laughs> we got we got a great microphone pop as her tail flipped off. Oh, the I'm microphone. sorry about that. I think I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, she uh, the tail just went whack I right on the end of your mic. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, that's I'm trying to figure out the, like the body logistics for that. So okay, she's a so if you haven't seen pictures of her, I think I've only posted one on there. She, Lola is a miniature pit bull slash boxer that weighs about uh, forty five pounds, fifty pounds, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yes, and she's not that big. Like she's like what. Three, well, she's kind of long, but she's kind of short now. Yeah, she's not as big as a typical pit bull would she's be. She's like two-thirds pit bull. She's like, well, she and she's also kind of the runt of her uh, of her litter because she's got albinism and she's deaf. Yes. And, and that is actually a thing that is sort of hand-in-hand. Most albi- uh, you know, albino dogs either come out deaf or come out blind or both. Uh, and, uh, it's a unique challenge for Justin and it's an interesting, it, it took experience for us a year week. plus the potty trainer. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a lot longer than normal dogs. And of course she, you know, she works with hand signals and Justin's worked out a 
you know, a, a set of hand signals for her do- for his dog. So um, I talk with my hands, which, of course, she pick up, picks up on. So when I gesticulate and, you know, talk, she thinks I'm talking to her. Uh, yeah, she's trying to understand what you're trying to communicate. And like sometimes it's funny when I'm like trying to communicate with her. And I'm wildly doing something, and she just like kind of cocks her head like a dog would she's to like, listen to you. What are you doing? And she's like, I don't know. What, I don't know what that uh, means. I don't have any of those symbols associated in my brain brain place. So, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> are those are those are those are those new symbols? Do you want me to do you want me to jump up on you and lick you right now during the middle of a uh, 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 of a uh, like a a show or? Uh, in in some situations, like a, a video chat. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I video chat all day at work. I don't work for a porn site, but that's, you know, I do I mean, virtual meetings all day. You sexy beast. But um, <laughs> she likes to jump up in my lap. Right. She likes to jump up in my lap while I'm in the middle of a meeting, and I might be in the level... Like a, a meeting with executives or whatever, and then there's Lola like jumping up in my lap in the I th- middle of the meeting. I think it's kind of normal now. I mean, it, it is. We had <laughs> one of the one of the a person that was two levels higher than me, and her cat kept like popping its head up in the middle of the meeting, <laughs> right in front of the camera. And then she kept like taking her hand and pushing the cat down. <laughs> and then it finally just. Wanted somebody on the meeting is just like let it happen. Just let it happen. <laughs> cat needs some. And so she's time. trying to like talk about something fairly important, and you just see the cat's face, like just floating <laughs> in front of the mic. And it's like, well, you know, well, ah, uh, you know, our furry friends have become workmates, and uh, and that is, oh, that is the that is a very gritty reality of work from home. Yeah. But and it's something that corporations have been having to adjust to. You know, yeah, like it's, it's we, also an icebreaker. I mean it but, is and we use it like we had a I mean at least you don't have the thing I saw an image from uh from the BBC uh a few months ago. <laughs> oh god like somebody the, on some council that had the cat that kept popping up. No, uh, it was the chick that had the dildo uh, in the background. Oh, that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that giant ass dildo just sitting on her look, bookshelf look back behind Johnson. her. It's right there. <laughs> we, the funny thing, the weird challenge that presents in a work at home environment is I often have to tell some of the people that work for me, like, hey, you have to be mindful about what's in your background because I don't want you to get in trouble. And that, basically, I'm saying things like that, right? Right. Yeah. Like, I usually say in the realm of, like, you know, don't have a bunch of, like, Cheetos laying all over a table behind you because it doesn't look professional. 18 but... fucking cans of G Fuel behind you because uh, you well, never pick up. My like... guys also train the new employees, so it's like you want to make a good impression. Right. Like, I'm not asking you to wear a suit and tie. I am asking you to not have underwear sitting, like, right behind you in the middle of your meeting. Uh, that, I mean, yeah. I like, just basic stuff. But, right. you know, it's just like... Every now and then we have to say things like that. And then every time I say it, I think about, at least recently, the dildo in the background. Like, I do not want to have to have that conversation <laughs> well, with somebody. Well, I mean, Justin's at least professional enough to move the sex swing over to the other side of the room. Right. And the only thing I that's mean, uh, actually shown is the microphones for the podcast because it's the yeah, same room. So. Yeah, it looks really plain from the camera view because mm-hmm. they literally just see this table with right. the microphones. 
They don't see that PC that's over there. Oh, that's good. Um, they don't see all the stupid little figurines that I got sitting on my desk. Yeah. Right. And then I wear band t-shirts like almost every day or nerd t-shirts almost every day. And then it's, I've got a, is it over there? What? Yeah. I think there's a, yeah, there's a, a wadded up button up shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> that I use every time I get in a meeting with, uh, I, I usually rotate it out. So when I get on meetings with people that are that I have to be a little bit more professional with, it's, I threw that I've been doing interviews all week. It's the button up shirt with the fucking like clip on tie that gets thrown in the corner. Yeah, so like I've been doing interviews all week for people from my department. And so I've been throwing that shirt on for each of those interviews while I'm, you know. With a band shirt or a fucking yeah. band shirt underneath. Yeah, I've got, you know, just some kind of Professional like. Professional from the waist up as far as. You know, yeah, like I was wearing literally these camo shorts. I'm wearing like a camo shorts and a boys t-shirt, right? And I was wearing camo shorts and a button up shirt with a tie while I was doing interviews. I was just like, let's just hope I don't have to stand up for anything. <laughs> That's that's funny because uh, I, I've heard of I, I've heard of these uh, I mean interviews being done virtually nowadays right I have heard of a couple people uh, that were doing interviews that would add one more question to their thing and be like would you stand up for the camera <laughs> uh, we want to see how dedicated you are to the job are you professional from the waist up or are you full on khakis uh, you know and. I don't think they have been super successful with the people. I think that would be an HR nightmare right now for us. Well, there yeah, have I been mean, a handful sure. of times where somebody's had to get up, and I saw them flip their camera up, and I'm like, "Oh, you're wearing booty shorts. Yeah, That's why you're doing something, that. you know, or or, or <laughs> underwear or nothing at all, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> sweatpants, whatever. But like, even my one of the managers that was working with me, like, he wears gym shorts all day. Yeah, and then has like a. A hoodie he throws on that's got our logo and everything else on it that is something that we use. So, like, that's that's how he gets – he's like, you know, I'm just going to wear gym shorts because it's nice and comfy. I'd be I'd be like, okay, I'm probably not going to break out the khakis, but I'd probably be in, like, blue jeans or something, you know? That way, if that question ever came up, I wouldn't have an embarrassing moment. But Well, I'm always wearing pants. It's just it's, – it's usually just, like, some kind of shorts. Right. It, and for and me – this is my work attire. I mean, blue jeans, this is t-shirt. Literally, you know? my work attire because they only see me from about the collar up. Right. You know, and and luckily, I don't have to do video chats in in, in my uh, in my business. I most of the people that I talk to are just voices. Uh, so you know, if I talk to somebody, it's it, they're generally on the other end of the world, and they're. You know, and, and they're just calling me to tell me, "Hey, you need to you know, you need to hurry up. I I need my computer." Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's it's it is what it is. Every business is a little different. It's an interesting transition, though. I, I in genuine in general, I've enjoyed the work at home aspect. Um, I think a lot of people think that uh, you have a lot of time to do a bunch of extra shit. That's kind of like a yes no. Like it's, for me, all that means is that on break, I can go throw another load of laundry in or get the dishes done or yeah. take the dog out real quick or your, your go walk. still a work day, right? And you don't have to worry about Lola destroying half the shit in your house because you've been gone all day. She's actually doing quite a bit better with that. Oh. Um, I know that sounds weird with me being home all the time, 
But I've been able to, as long as I'm still dog proof in the house when I leave, but she's past the point where she feels a need to chew on everything in sight. She, and she doesn't, you know, wee all over the place or do anything crazy like she was before. So I usually just come home and then she's just super excited that I'm back. Right. Which is a, a huge improvement. Um, yes. But I don't leave all the time. We're talking like once a week that I go do something random to get out of the house. You, you need to get out of the house a little bit more. Uh, just if, but even if I, it's a walk around the neighborhood, you just need to walk outside. <laughs> I've had this really interesting transition this week into working earlier. So now I got to be at work at about 630 in the morning. Right. So we changed days, right, so that we could still stay up late enough to accommodate Rusty sleeping a little bit. But right. <laughs> it's actually quite late for me right now because I've been waking up at 5 a.m. You so Welcome to my world. I've been taking naps like an old man. So well. like I either go and take the dog on a long walk, so that's something I can do now instead of the 10-minute walk. I can go for about 30 minutes. Um, but I'm like eating dinner at like 5 o'clock. Aw, and then I just like take a nap for like 30 minutes to an hour. And today I was like, I need to power nap before the show. I don't need to set an alarm. And I got really comfy and the dog's like curled up next to me snoring. And I just passed the fuck out. Of course. Like for an hour and a half today. Jeez. And I was just like, I That's... woke up like thinking it was like three days from now because it was dark. And I was, because then I went to bed, it was still light outside. I was like, fuck, what happened? Am I late? <laughs> no, you're not late. It's. <laughs> You were still early, but you woke up at about the same time I did, uh, or a little bit later. <laughs> but it's uh, it's nice not to work mids. I, I really hate working mids, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's... Because I don't get anything done in the morning, and I don't want to do anything after work. And right now, I've got enough time to get a couple of chores done, which, you know, like I did Christmas at the house last week. Um, being able to do laundry after work and not feel like I'm starting my wind down at like 9 o'clock at night. Um, and if I want to stay up kind of late, like the the latest I can do on a single night's about eleven thirty, or or midnight, and still wake up with enough gusto to continue working normally. Yeah, it you can't take my shift away from me. I just I I can't I, I can't stand human beings. I don't, I just well I don't have to stand human beings. I don't have know. meetings before noon, so I mean yeah I just most of my shift I've already had lunch. I was having to skip lunch for meetings, so. This is a huge improvement. For, I love lunch. I mean, I'm not trying to lose. I'm trying to lose weight because I like food. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a new thing. Uh, I mean, I've also got more game time in. Surprisingly, that's fucking amazing. Because I'm not restricted to a 30 minute session as I'm slowly waking up and getting into it, and then wasting a little bit of time before work, and then wasting a little bit of time at lunch, like. I'm not wasting any time gaming in the morning because I'm waking up and going eat, right to work. <laughs> going right to work, and then after work, I have all the time I want to game. There you go. Like I had a game session yesterday for like a good six hours on a uh, work day. That's cute. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot for me. <laughs> I know it's a lot for you, but uh, yeah, it's like eight hours at a time, uh, but or more uh, for me. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> So I've been getting about an hour, hour and a half a day. Hour and a half a day of Bullshit. Gaming. Yeah. No, he, he he's doing it now. He's online right now. He's, Jason's been enjoying you know Steam I Link. Am. I have been. Um, but. For about a no. month now. I get, to be honest, a lot of those hours the last couple weeks that Steam tells you I have. 
Well, it's probably, uh, it's, or on it's, pause. it's it's really probably about a good third of that, maybe a little bit more, is on pause. Um, Jason, so one because of my I'll be honest, as I game, uh, since so the kids start going back to school. Oh, Marley's school is a uh, Marley's school is a uh, um, it's a magnet school. So they start later because a lot of their students have to be bussed in. Right. Um, and so uh, they don't get out till almost five o'clock. So I leave work. I go over there, mm-hmm. sit in my truck for 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And you've got stuff to do. Pick her up. All right. Then drive home from almost. <laughs> trying to figure I, it out. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to say this without saying it. Almost from the big mall directly at the big mall. Mileage, like minutes to home <laughs> in five o'clock traffic down 71st Street. Eesh. Five, if, for people who are not from around here, 71st Street is basically like the retail hub of Tulsa and basically all the big box and stores and also, malls are on it. And also one of the main thoroughfares. Yeah. So uh, it's always busy. Always busy. So it takes a good 30 plus minutes mm-hmm. getting from her school to home. So by the time we get home. I log on, I play for like half an hour. Right. Stop. Go eat dinner. Yeah, yeah. Situate kids. Yeah, yeah, yada. Right. Start playing again. I may play 45 minutes to an hour. And then I start doing that whole fading thing in my chair where you just I start barely, yeah. okay. nodding off. And then I'll go, <laughs> oh, I don't want to be asleep yet. I'm still in this engagement. <laughs> I'll make a couple I'll I'll do a turn or two and I start fading again. <laughs> you know you could save at any point, right? <laughs> so well, well no. In not, 30 and we'll talk about it. Well, I might as well yeah, just talk about it. Might as well. So like, I installed BattleTech Advanced 3062. Okay. We we both did. Which is a mod. Um it's Rogue Tech Lite. Okay. Okay, well, so it's about me... half the size of Rogue Tech, and it advances the timeline to thirty sixty two. Yes, here's I can tell you some major differences between the two. Mm-hmm. So Rogue Tech um, is the same thing; it puts you in a career mode, essentially. No, it calls it campaign, but it's basically career mode. Yeah, um, but Rogue Tech randomizes the lance um, attributes more. And it randomizes a lot more statuses and gives you way more options for vehicles. But what that means is engagements take for fucking ever and you suck so bad for so long Mm -hmm. that it takes a while before you get kind of comfortable with it. So with Rogue Tech, you start off with these like super piece of shit mechs and a super shit to hit uh, chance. And it gives you it, it, it downgrades you so much that it takes and I I played Rogue Tech before. It wasn't this bad last time I played it. Recently when I played it, though, like I did uninstall it because it took so long. It took me like five engagements to get something decent. And the five engagements took me two, 
five hours of gameplay this this you had week. To count it out. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it for a second. I was thinking of all the nights that I spent dicking with it, plus the time it took me to install it, which took like two hours. Um, it took me like five nights to inst- or five nights uh, or five hours of gameplay to get to where I was even sort of decent, and then I spent an hour and a half on an engagement only to get fucking crushed at the very end. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try out a different mod before I uninstall Battletech for a while. And then I, inst- I installed 3062, and I was like, oh, this is a little bit more balanced. And mm. it's got some – it's got a – so Rogue Tech and Advanced have a lot of more different armor options. Yes. And engine options. Um, well, and they both introduce Clan Tech, so you get the things like Indosteel and um, Fibro Armor and – a bunch of different clan designed weapons right and mechs um where where 3062 i think does it better and cuts out a lot of that fuckery you were dealing with in rogue tech now rogue tech seems broken since they put all the extra clan stuff in there and added more flashpoints well, it, it also like runs it... a lot rougher. Like I was noticed now part of this is Rogue Tech installs like 160 mods. Yeah. Um and and there's if more If you options. install all available options, yes. But yeah, it's like 25 gigs worth of mods and it because it's so heavy on the mods, there's a lot of th- it it looks worse like they have an optimization tweak that makes everything look way worse. And on top of that, um everything moves really like the stutter that it had before. Mm-hmm. is super pronounced in Rogue Tech, and that drove me nuts. It's like, why can't I get yeah. this running smooth? So, I, so then when I installed 3062, the only bad thing is the load time because there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. But it runs the same as vanilla does on frame rate. It does. Um, it's also a lot more, uh, uh, for those people who care about it, it's also more lore-friendly than Rogue Tech is. You hear, um, you hear the excitement. And Rusty's mounted again. She's a that's a that's a big pity smile right there. Dude, she loves me so much. <laughs> she loves it because she can like fully stand on you. I'm a I'm a big target. <laughs> oh, oh, that was my nuts. Uh, and there went your Isaac. Oh, okay, where'd, where'd that go? Okay, there it is. Yay! Anyway, um. You were saying. <laughs> um, and it it doesn't fuck around. So 3062 doesn't have any as many roguelike elements to it. No, so it doesn't randomize. It doesn't randomize uh, a lot of the rolls to equipment. I had, four, um, I had four lights and two vehicles, and I ran across a fucking Marauder. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you got fucked up. Yeah, it literally... Two shotted like three of my mechs, and the last like it did. It's so slow the way they had it kitted out. That it took like twenty four rounds, which in BattleTech that's like forty minutes, yeah, right, to get to me. And I didn't know what the unknown mech was, and then it got to me, and I was like, I'm oh, fucked. Yeah, you're screwed. Like I I can't backstab this with a locust, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but what it. What it does do is it does add a lot of mechs. It adds a a lot of the look and feel from Rogue Tech, which I think is a... 
Well, there's which some cool. I think there's is some a cool. Plus. There's some cool shit. So like machine guns have a lot longer range, right? Yep. And you can use machine guns to crit ammo. Yep. And you don't have to restart every time you overheat. Yep. Machine gun crits rock. Um, but it makes them viable. You also have a lot more, more choices when it comes to uh, ordnance. Yeah, ammo when, types of thing. When it comes to uh, SRMs and LRMs, you have area of effect ones. You have infernos. And I like you, the stupid random – so this was the part about Rogue Tech that I wanted back was giving myself the, the trash can. Not an urban mech, but literally like a trash can mech. Yeah. And I've got – I've had one starting off that had a rifle weapon. And so the rifle weapons have internal ammo, which means they can yes. blow up. But it's a good start to basically give you kind of like a starter AC2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, he's carrying a fucking rifle. And they, and they hit like a truck. Uh, well, yeah, they've got the – so the mortar thing is in vanilla, but instead of mortar, you can get cannon, which does like a, a lot of damage in an area of effect. Yep. Uh, but it's a single shot. You've got the single shot rockets, which are kind of cool too. So like you could yep. – if you have an extra missile hard point and one ton, you've got a one-shot rocket that you can put in there that hits for like 20 damage or whatever. If you haven't played it, that doesn't mean anything. But it's a decent amount of damage yeah. to give you some extra oomph on a backstab. Yep. Um, Fully on guided rockets. You have have a different type of machine gun that's that's specialty. So it has an anti-air missile machine gun. So it it shoots down incoming missiles? Yes. Yes. It'll shoot down SRMs or LRMs. Point defense. Yeah, so yeah, they've got yes. point defense options in there. And then they've got like different Which types. is great. I have two of them on my King Crab. Of course. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of extra little tweaks like that. The Indo Steel armor means that you can take a light mech and actually kit it out a little bit heavier. So you might take a commando and put a PPC on a commando instead of just a large laser. Um, which means the light and then it gives you extra lance spots too. So Rogue Tech lets you have four in your main lance, and then you got up. It's got more Argo upgrades than thirty sixty two, but that doesn't matter. This one lets you have up to six uh, Mercs in your company, which also includes. It, do you have Do you have any tanks? Uh, not yet. I don't have any. But I know that you can get tanks. But, but you, most you, of that's just because I haven't actually purchased any. It, but the it, chances of you getting salvage on tanks is very very low. But it lets you um, – like there's different melee options too. So you got there kick, are. which will – depending on how your weapons are mounted, will give you additional attacks with regular weapons instead of just support weapons. Uh, there's punch. There's charge. There's which, charge, which and, damages your own mech, by the way. But – and then, you know, death from above. But it also gives you the option too for things like um, – like the the – what was I going to say? So you can sprint and fire with this game too. It just really lowers yes. your hit chance. And depending on your max pilot ability, you can be sprinting and shooting with a very low decrease to your accuracy, which makes this, the, uh, what do you call it? The light mechs actually super viable. So like the commando yes. on my team it, does a decent, he's got endo steel. So I didn't put a PPC on him because I didn't want to lose one, but he's got an SRM six on him with endo steel and a fast engine. And so that commando zips around backstabbing shit. Like the commando is actually not bad. Yeah. Yeah, no. And you can even um, – it actually 
the endosteel makes the shadow hawk even more dangerous. Oh, I haven't even you tried that kit yet. A shadow hawk with it, you can uh, um, end up putting more. Uh, you can put it allows you to put either more like AC5s or SRMs on it. You can do it. So you can shoot shit as you move up, but then you can really backstab. It's just, there's so many more options. If you're looking for more out of that game, and let's just say, if you haven't played Battletech and you like turn-based games, Battletech is the next, it's different than XCOM, but it, it scratches a similar itch. It's... It's yeah, it's it's a little it's a little different. You don't have necessarily have like hard cover points, but and every every map is randomly generated, which I have found that is kind of my you know kind of a thing for me now. Uh, it just gives random, you a lot of variety. Randomly generated when, when maps when it's done right, yeah, yeah, when it's done right. Like Deep Rock is a good example of fantastic random generation. Right. Yeah. BattleTech does a pretty damn good job with the random generation. The um. You know, with with BattleTech, I mean, if it gets the rusty stamp of approval for a turn-based game, it's it's pretty good. And granted, this is a game that came out in what two thousand eighteen ish. That's correct. Um, so it's it's a couple years old, uh, and it's not super optimized. Uh, like it still has some slowdowns and some issues with you know with the engine. But you get past that. Just look, you know, just look, look up at multi-thread it. fix. Yeah, that actually play. I stopped having to set a priority on it after getting the multi-thread fix on it. Yeah, there's there's mods yeah. that help with the uh, with you know getting things you know working, and of course, uh, you use Nexus mods for you know for that modding is is what they're ta- they were this talking is... about for you know for the uh, uh, for the mod that they're so using. This is not and, a hard mod to use, either. Right. and the great part about thirty sixty two. Is it comes with all of the same um, launcher and install as Rogue Tech, so it's just as easy to install it. You literally just it gives you very specific instructions, like you got to load it on a drive that's not a Windows drive. Um, so you load it on that, and that's your install folder, and then you point it towards your install folder for BattleTech, and then basically you click a button, and it asks you what things that you want to put on it. Right. And then it and then, and then it downloads and installs those right, um, and it'll clean up your install. It'll fix your mods. It'll do all that stuff for you. So it's literally the one file that you download. Follow the directions yeah. pretty closely. The, the only slow part to it is because of the amount of content. And Rogue Tech did this too. Is it reruns the mod tech injector every time you boot the game. So it takes about a minute so to load. So it takes about a minute to load into the game. That's fine. But it it adds a lot of the same features that Rogue Tech had on half the install size. I think it's I think it's probably now, the I wish I'd have played this earlier to be honest with you. Like Rogue I had a lot yeah. of fun with Rogue Tech a few generations back with it when it wasn't so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um this this normalizes it enough to play it and not feel like I'm going to be crushed for half a day before I feel all right. Yeah. Like you're still going to get crushed, but not nearly as bad. Um, like there's perks you can pick to get a, so I picked perks basically to get a good team for my starter group, which had people that already had a decent gunnery skill. Right. So I had a team that wasn't bad. 
starting off and a decent selection of mercs that were decent so I could load in some lobby guys with it to level them up as I went. Right. And then it adds some custom portraits and some custom voice packs for your guys. So my guy is a, got a voice pack called Grandpa Tex, so he sounds like an old man every time he talks. <laughs> so Grandpa Tex and Tex is uh, – so this is how far I've fallen into this hole, guys. I have started rereading – the clan centric novels. Oh my god! For BattleTech, and I started uh, uh, watching lore videos. Now I will give this guy a <laughs> shout out because I was impressed by his lore videos. Um, it's a YouTube channel called Black Pants Legion. Um, I think I've heard of it before. The guy has a playset uh, called Text Talks BattleTech. And it's... he he does several of the mechs, but he also has uh, some really long but deep lore videos um, that are really important to the uh, mythos of BattleTech. And he covers basically the fall of Star League, yeah, and the start of the clans. So, right, is Tex his voice? Yes, his name is Tex. So, Tex of the Black Pants Legion. Is Tex in Rogue Tech and that's 3062. Funny. So they sampled some stuff from him and... Uh, he actually recorded it specifically for them. He actually talks to both of those teams fairly regularly. Well, of course. That's interesting. <clears throat> um, but he's like... Needs to be in Battletech 2 is what he needs. Here's um, something crazy. Even with Jason playing a lot of this on weight... So Battletech's my second pl highest played game on Steam ever at 450 hours, right? Jason's at like 200 plus hours already. I'm at 218 hours. Yeah, in five weeks. Completely fucked my, uh, you know, my what, 100 and some, 120 hours or so. And that's fine because like my, my goal was to get through the, you know, the vanilla campaign without any mods. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to play it. But I think playing, uh, the career mode with the mods because this enables the fire the flashpoints too. Yeah, um, is in a a premium experience. I think this as far as mods go, like it just feels like it's an a, an add on for the game. Honestly, like it doesn't feel janky. Yeah, well, on thirty sixty two really started some. Basically, somebody decided they really loved Rogue Tech, but they wanted to see something more. Uh, lore friendly and as more of an expansion to the original game and that's what started it. Yeah, it's it's random stuff too like the like you hit enough criticals on a pilot they start to panic and sometimes on these bigger mechs they, they panic and they eject that, and so you get the whole mech. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or you uh, or your mind. own pilot you can get injured Start bleeding out, and it will tell you you have seven turns before your character dies. Before your character dies, and you have to eject in those seven turns or win or win <laughs> to save your pilot. Ooh. But it'll do stuff like collapsed lung, minor injury, or like broken jaw or broken leg or something like that. You'll get the status effects as you're going. You're like, yeah, yeah, but also. One nice part is it will tell you the amount of salvage you got <clears throat> off of the mech when it goes down. 
Oh, okay. So you can be like, oh, three parts. You know, yeah, but sometimes it says no it. salvage. Yeah, you, you, like you fuck something up yeah. too bad, you blow off its arms, and um, then you and then you core it, or like you yeah. know whatever. It's just like no salvage. Uh, or like in the case of uh, the walking trash can that is the urban mech, you get no salvage I've, from it anyway. I've headshot urban mechs and still got no salvage. That's because it's because all shit blew up. <laughs> But they've got different variants of urban. There's an urban mech with an LRM-15 on it. You know how useful yeah. that is on an urban mech? Wow. <laughs> right? If you're watching your weight requirement, yeah, like you literally just like you've got a light mech that's a pure support. Yeah. And it takes forever, so that works. Uh, LRM-15 uh, on an urban mech has Are probably you kidding got one me? ton's worth of- uh... I ran into an urban mech firing a Goss rifle at me. Okay. Oh, okay. It does well, some things with the urban mechs. Like, even though they suck, like, they've got ways of making them all right. They're like one hit point peons with a fucking gun. That motherfucker one shot backstabbed a medium mech. <laughs> it's crazy. And you're probably speaking all kinds of tongues for people who doesn't you know, have played the game. So, 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 I am. But totally, if you have, if you've already played Battletech, Install 3062. If you haven't played Battletech. If you haven't played Battletech, play the campaign and then install 3062. Basically, once you get if about, you like once you get your first new mech in Battletech, if you like that kind of game, that usually is where the the hook is. You're like, oh. I oh, mean, I spent, oh. I have spent just as much time playing around with my mechs, customizing them and trying out new shit as I have wrecking shit yeah it's it's I a mean, fun game i pokemon I, I and you're you're in there uh i will be you know checking out this mod but i have to play other games you know it's so, just my rotation i've got a i've got a fairly large list this week what well, i have only one um and it is basically the thing that has been talked about the what why don't know, we talk some valheim because yeah. with i know that it's exploded it's, Rightfully so. It's, it's a pretty good game. Gotten up over five hundred or five million, uh, you know, players or people who bought the game. So five five million sales for a five person team. That is insane, and it's good for them. Uh, and I imagine that that team will probably grow uh, because because I mean, now they've got some expectations. They because now they've got five million Vikings going. We want updates. Uh, so, uh, so there's, uh, so there's that thing is though, is I've actually been watching the community. Like I took some time, you know, this week, I enjoy the game, but I wanted to see what the reception, like the overall reception was. So I stopped into about 10 or 15 different, uh, Twitch streams, watched some, you know, watched some things, you know, and got some, you know, got some feedback from the viewers and the Twitch streamers as, you know, as much as I possibly could. Now, it's nothing super official. It wasn't like an interview or anything like that. It was just me kind of observing what, you know, what people were saying. And yeah, there's there's some things. There's, you know, some things that people pointed out that that need to be kind of streamlined. Some of the controls is, you know, is not necessarily as responsive as people want. Right. Uh, sometimes like pulling out shields and weapons is kind of clunky, especially in a like a high you know, high danger situation, you get right. jumped by wolves or whatever, you know, you want to pull out your weapons and shield real, really quickly. It doesn't happen right away. Um, and uh, the stamina system is kind of, you know, kind of unforgiving in, you know, in some ways. 
Uh, so that kind of needs to be tweaked. Uh, I think the stamina system's fine. It's it's okay, but it's it's a little hard to manage because it's tied directly to your food and uh, and you can't re-up your food. So if you're at like half of the food's effectiveness, you still can't eat that food and re-up it. Which I'm okay can, with it. Which is which kind of sucks. Potion. In a you know in a like a boss battle situation, I was I just got to the boss battle. But I had eaten my food like three, four minutes ago, and it doesn't tick over to the point where you can re-eat until it's about half of the effectiveness. And I didn't have all the hit points that I wanted when I started the battle and ended up having to, like, re-up my food in the middle of the battle, which meant opening up my inventory, which you can't really do that very, very easily while running and defending yourself. Uh, so there's there's certain things about... Uh, about the actual gameplay that people were talking about. But the praise is, uh, you know, it, even if, even though the game doesn't look good if you look closely, everything is, you know, specifically drawn in such a way. So, like, I was talking about this the other, you know, the other week. It was the tree textures kind of look, you know, low res. Uh, and pretty much everything looks low res if you look at it, you know, real closely. But I was, you know, observing as I was cutting down trees, it was like the sun was setting and you could still see the effect of light on those textures. And they, you know, they lit up in such a way that you just kind of, it, you just can blur your eyes a little bit. And it's not always about, uh, it's not always about graphical fidelity in games. It's sometimes just pure gameplay. And that's what Valheim is actually being praised on right now is the fact that it's done a lot with a little. And it manages to impress people visually while still being low res uh, in, in, certain, you know, in certain places. And the low res ability actually makes it accessible to a lot of people. It's not a big install. It's like, you know, uh, on a mediocre, you know, internet connection, you can get it, you know, installed fairly quickly, like five minutes or so on even slow internet, right? It doesn't take very long. It took me like a minute and a half to download it. Um, and I was surprised. Uh, the the reception that we get or that I got from uh, from the Twitch streamers is uh, the tool sets for building because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these uh, content creators have been taking the challenge of building things, building huge things like, you know, doing, they're taking the Minecraft approach. Well, yeah, that ends. I mean, that's kind of one of the draws to, you know, the you know, the crafting adventure survival games like, you know, Ark, for instance, was like, what kind of build can you make with that? Um, and they, the snap points for uh, for building is actually fairly forgiving in Valheim so that you can do things like have rounded objects. You can clip like things pretty easy. Yeah, you can clip things and honestly, comparing it to other other games you know, that work in a 3D space and don't necessarily use just one-by-one blocks, uh, you have a lot of 
options to build really grand structures with a fairly limited tool set. Uh, and that makes some of these builds look fantastic. It also slows down the world if you're running a, you know, a, a dedicated server because you've got like 5,000 objects in one spot. So it has to render each and every piece, right? Uh, as you, you know, as you come into the world, that means that you could step out of a portal, stand on like a flat plane and then watch the world build around you. Uh, and if you get really complicated and stuff. So that is an engine thing. And that is probably something that will get better as time goes on. It is like super duper early access. Um, but it's the thing about it is it's feature complete for the most part. Oh yeah. The, I mean, totally the, playable. Yeah. Like the, the draw besides the build thing. And I, I think you have one side of it for me, it's progression. Like I'm not looking at your pictures. I know that for you, you're pretty anal about your builds. You have a certain symmetry to things. Like for me, it's not that I just throw together a shack, but like the level of satisfaction I have with my builds is much lower than yours. Yeah, I love my builds. So I, mean, I tend to I like renovating, uh, just something I did a lot in Seven Days to Die. Right, find a, a house and play a renovator at that point. So like I find huts and then renovate huts and turn them into viable structures for me to build on. Right. Um, uh, chip gains. Yeah. <laughs> Literally uh, something that's actually happening in real life. It's a fixer ever. Uh, that would be that show would be the uh, inspiration for Jess uh, flipping houses right now. Right. And when we get to a point, that's literally what I'll be doing outside of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I enjoy renovating. Um, but that being said, um, that's. That's kind of my my gig with it, right? Like my first starter base I built right by the rune stones. I started with there was a hut close by. Mm -hmm. Turned that into a sleeping spot because you can build it up pretty quick, you know, just reinforce the walls. Right. That's make what I a did. bed. Fine, yeah. And then build off of it. I eventually scrapped it and then built a larger hall to get all my stuff in there. Right. And then I just unlocked stone on the last time I was playing. So like in my game without I think don't do this to yourself and watch all these videos about how to like the how to for because I really feel like the sense of discovery plays a large part in the game. Yeah, that does. It's... I, I really like figuring out, oh, that's what you use to do this and this. So that's what that's used for, because I feel like when you spoil it for yourself, it it lessens it to a degree. Like I figured out iron. Right. Right. And so once I unlocked all the recipes with iron. Right. I've got kind of a farm point for iron right now. Um, you'll discover portals fairly early on. I won't discover, tell you what to do with it if you haven't gotten very far in the game, but right. portals play a pretty integral role with the travel aside from ore because you can't take ore through portals. So, you know, I finally unlocked the big ship because I got stuff. Yeah, right. Um, and I've got a Pangea, like I was saying last time. So normally when you're looking, I found the Merchant too. You couldn't. Uh, I mean, you on suck. <laughs> my, usually it has a starter island and then satellite islands all around the world that you, you're traveling to with your boat. I just started sailing around my island thinking it would be small and then found out that it literally had almost every biome on my island. Yeah. You, including the Merchant on my starter island. You you. You suck a little bit. Like um, it's it's a pretty good seed. Like well, yeah. except aside from the fact that if I want to go pick up that iron, I have to sail. 
like I have to sell around the Cape Fear to get there. Like it just feels that. And I've got, you know, danger while I'm sailing. So I'll just say that much. Right. There's. Um, which has been pretty harrowing because I didn't want to lose all my fucking ore. The, I mean. The... But like the, there's cool physics mechanics too, right? Like when you're overloaded. You end up having you slower stamina gains, right? Right. Not not even when you're encumbered. You're just heavier than normal. Your stamina gains are slower. And when your boat has a lot of ore on it, your boat takes forever to stop. Yeah, yeah it does. It basically it, just – you start rowing backwards and then like a minute later you pull to a stop. Right. You know, or if you're putting stuff in a cart, uh, you know, you'll eventually the, unlock a cart. Uh, the human drawn cart. I love the human drawn cart. Yeah, you you play the horse in the cart situation, uh, and that is uh, once you overload the the cart, it'll still roll. But hills that you would normally be able to walk up, you couldn't even run up with. But you, know, you can with the cart. But so. you can cut a like the cart thing. Uh, TJ taught me this plan was building a road with the cart, pulling the cart behind you. So like I. The first ore point that I have yeah. has a little hideout that's over there that I store everything in and sleep in when I'm mining at right. that point. Well, I built a – draw the ho- the cart behind me and then use the hoe to create a path in front of me and slowly work my way up there on one of the gameplay days so that I have a path to and from my main base where my forges are and everything else from that spot. Yep. So that's my cart path, uh, which looks like a little, you know, I don't know. like. The the hoe will let you cut through the side of a mountain. Basically, I don't I don't well, know how it'll it'll allow you to level out the uh, the uh, the terrain you, a bit. You can basically build a road around a hill, right? Um, it won't it won't actually level out like too much. It it'll bring it down maybe about a half a block. Uh, you know, a, a half a terrain voxel. If uh, it's not voxelated, it's just there there. It's a it's a different way of doing things. I have figured out kind of how the the world is built um and it does have to do with the cardinal directions so there is that so if you want to have a perfectly flat area you want to go straight north or straight west and you can kind of get a good flat block out of that but um but yeah there's there's ways to actually get you know the the road to be flatter, and you you'll have to use a pickaxe in some situations uh, to actually flatten out the road. It takes a little bit of work, but yeah, I mean, I, I I had a my starter base, which I call the farm now, so everything goes to the farm when it dies. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the farmhouse is just a little basic structure that I you know that I built that I was fairly happy with. I mean, I built three chimneys for it and, or four chimneys actually, and had a fire pit for each room essentially to keep the house warm and, uh, and make sure that I had a rested bonus wherever I was at, which is another big thing is having the rested bonuses basically key to that game. Right. Um, the, uh, uh, that house, that farmhouse just didn't, fit my needs it was too far away from the water which i mean if you need to boat things because you can't carry you know you can't really carry that much ore on your person so you'll have to cart ore if you if you want to bring it to a centralized location 
Uh, it was a little bit away from the water, about how it was basically smack dab center in my continent, right? So uh, I had to spend about 15 minutes worth of, you know, running just to get it from the boat to my house. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, this is this is not happening. I'm going to build near the water so that I can have a boat dock and have all my stuff there. Right. Uh, and it, what turned out to, you know, what started off as a little shack next, you know, next to the water turned into a big fucking longhouse. And then I said, I'm going to flatten all the land that I, you know, that I feel feasible is going to, you know, going to be needed. Right. Uh, and I spent probably about three or four actual days of, you know, just gathering a fuck load of materials, uh, stone, wood. Uh, I clear so, cut just about all this the This is the rusty it. play session versus the normal average human. So like 32 right. hours gathering material? Uh, pretty close to about about that yeah 30 i stopped my progression when when i said last time we talked uh was uh you know last weekend i think right uh i spent uh i spent about 30 ish hours mining stone mining you know, and cutting down fucking trees and flattening land and then starting a build and i started uh, a uh, kind of like a, a a stone and wood box, right? The the first picture of my longhouse it was very square, you know, <laughs> very, very rectangular. Square. Um, I had learned from you know just placing blocks how to actually get things to snap right, and I expanded the inter interior by moving the the walls out by about one full. Uh, uh, one full stone block or two, two full stone blocks. And then I rounded the edges, you know, the, you know, each side. So if you look down from the top, it, lo it kind of looks like a pill. Um, but it has a really cool vaulted interior now because it's a, com you know, it was built at a completely different angle than the outside, uh, than the outside, uh, uh, roofing. So I was using 26 degree where I, you know, where I started with 45 degree. So now it kind of has a vaulted, you know, feel to the inside, which, you know, which works really well for me because it, it now and the how, trusses. How, long, how are, long did it take you to build this? This, uh, I mean, this was all part of that, like 30 hours. I mean, it, it's not like the most complicated build per se. But, but it's, I uh, spent a lot of time looking at details, like edging <laughs> and getting – well, the rounded sections, I mean, there is no round roofs, right? I know. It's, so you have to kind of lay those uh, – the, the roofing tiles over each other in such a way that they don't pop out and create like an I, X. Describing this without seeing it is kind of hard. I think this is something you need to post to the Twitter. I can I can show a picture of uh, I've taken a couple screenshots and and shared it with the guys just to show that you know the progression of things. I mean, in, in some my of build. the crap looks like it came directly out of History Channel's Vikings or out of the Thirteenth Warrior. I mean, but it's but the, what I'm saying like is the X's the the X patterns. Yeah, those are fucking cool, right? For, yeah. For, the thing is, is like, 
there are gamers like me and Jason, and there are rusty gamers. And rusty gamers can do this in a week, and me and Jason haven't built anything. Well, Jason doesn't have it, but I haven't built anything like that because all I have usually is about four to six hours to dedicate to playing. Right. And I don't want my whole play session to be built. It's for me, you know, a large portion of uh, of these uh, these survival games is working out exactly how you would, you know, cart all of the resources that you need. Now, mind you, I'm playing solo and I'm playing without any types of cheats or any type of creative mode building. And there is a creative mode in this game uh, by activating some kind of cheat. I have no cheats, totally solo, and I've, you know, in about 30 hours, I've built myself a little complex, which isn't so little because I guarantee you my complex is about three times bigger than your your, your house. Um, Probably more, honestly. And, you know, and and I'm, I'm happy with it because it is... Maybe maybe when we go on break, I'll show you really quickly what took me two hours to build. Right, and the thing is, is you could actually like, you could actually come to my world, uh, you know, and that's another thing about Valheim is you could take your character to you know to other people's worlds. Uh, so you know what I'm really worried about, Rusty? What? That they do an update and you lose all your progress. I mean, and that is totally possible. I, I will. I will say that that is the other reason I haven't overinvested in building. Uh, I will say that if they do make an update and there's you know there's a major change like you know this has happened to me in seven days, seven days, and it's happened to me in Arc uh, where they make a change to the terrain. But considering that this is all generated by a seed, this is all randomly generated. I am going to hope that the seed generation doesn't change, like the terrain itself doesn't change. Uh, it might have, they may have changes to how the terrain works. Like I might have to correct a couple things, but I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't super break the game. But even if it does, right. if even if it does, I will take that as a challenge to build something bigger. You know, and that is and and that is how a lot of the streamers and a lot of the uh, the the YouTubers that are playing this game are taking this is there's they're making their own challenges and one of the guys that I was watching, um, he by himself over four hundred some fucking hours of playtime since the game released. I have no idea how he did it. Like when does he sleep? Um, but no, he's he's. Making money doing. I that, mean, that's why. sure. Well, he he's done like multiple twenty four hour streams of him playing this game. Um, it's but, called crack cocaine, right? <laughs> oh, or uh, I I know he has a a sponsorship to uh, what I'm drinking right now, so he's probably fucking downing this shit constantly. Oh, you've been watching him? Yeah. Um, oh. Well, we'll talk about who it is uh, here in a little bit, but. Um, he has built an entire Viking village, like at completely different angles, but it's, it's a full on village that you can, yeah, and he's got a throne up on the top of a tower that he can sit at. And of just, course like, look, he would have a throne. And, and just look at his village from on high. Uh, because, you know, if that's it's him. the sponsored streamer, I can't stand him. Uh, uh, we'll talk about who it is. Um, but yeah, that I mean, this game has gone fucking crazy. So uh, it is definitely recommended. I am super addicted to this game right now. So 
Rusty gets addicted to stuff and so does Jason. I've got more ADD than the two of them combined. So I take breaks and then play other things. You, um, you have enough ADD for four people sometimes. But that just means that I I can at least speak to some things that are also out that are also kind of hot off the press. I'm going to give some props to a game that doesn't get enough love or enough attention. But Urtok the Desolation came out recently. Urtok. And Urtok is a turn-based, low-fantasy game with an art style kind of similar to Darkest Dungeon. Yes. Uh, Cell-shaded style graphics, right? Lots of blood. Um, But it's a turn-based game kind of in the vein of a way less story, but kind of like a roguelite ogre battle Mm -hmm. mixed with Darkest Dungeon is probably the closest I can come to explaining it. It's it's pretty close, yeah. It uses a system kind of like you you can equip – so I'll give you an example, right? Like there's a spearman, right? He can only equip spears, so different levels of spear is what he gets. Mm-hmm. But where it changes things up is it has these things called mutators. So as you leave each battle, you have so much life essence you can use to extract a mutation. So it could be something that like gives you health back when somebody dies. It could give you something where that causes bleeding criticals. It could be that you can't be – Move back and forth, which movement is a big thing with this game that where enemies can move you all around the battlefield. Um, it could be something that prevents poison damage or whatever. And each one of these can be modified and absorbed by your character. So use one of these mutators long enough in enough battles, your character just absorbs it into his and into his abilities, basically. Um, the rewards for each battle are either equipment, um, or different resources you have. And without digging too deep into it, like you have a resource called Flesh. Um, flesh is actually used for creating different things. And also certain characters eat Flesh. So, like, if you have a beast on your team, mm-hmm. um, I think he eats Flesh. And if you have a vampire on your team, and these are not sparkly vampires, they're like grotesque, bat-looking... Nosferatus. Nosferatus, yeah. Yes. Um, with, like... Literal bones sticking out, like pretty gross looking, but great. Um, like there's just a lot of variety in the different characters you can get, a lot of variety in the builds, and it's a, it's a turn-based battler um, with a whole lot of blood. I really like all the blood for some reason. But <laughs> it's very gory. It's very – lots of giblets when you crit stuff. I mean the – But the... like your priest heals by giving up some of his life to give it to somebody else, and then he gets life back by – so the base priest gets life back. When an enemy dies, he has something called uh, flesh something or other. And he heals flesh feast, I think is what it's called. He heals every time somebody dies on the battlefield. And then he gets health back. And then he's got some abilities that will give him health by hitting people. But you can use him to give um, basically leeching health. So if you got a character that does damage, he gets health back. Mm-hmm. He's got a basic heal he does unlock, which you use like 35% of your health to heal somebody up. So it's very situational. And then you've got like something called Aegis that unlocks that lets you block all damage, like a shield basically. But it takes 65% of your priest health. So you take your priest and buff up his health points. Right. You take some characters, like there's a Berserker that hits twice, which is – I love the Berserker. Um, and you boost his health and his damage – because he can't wear armor, but so he doesn't negate any anything. But then you compare him with a knight, and the knight can be sitting right next to him and can block hits for the berserker, so he doesn't take hits. Um, but then he just dishes out damage. But 
it does random map generation, and you basically go from area to area fighting bosses and fighting things like you take over little villages, and it gives you different resources for your army. And then, you know, you've got, like, I just was unlocking a weaponsmith so I can have a dude upgrade my weapons as I go. It's a very indie game that's very well balanced. Um, and there's a lot of fun to be had there. I really like her talk. Yeah. it's. Um, I'm glad it's out of early access because I've been wanting to play it for a while. And they've really, uh, they've balanced some things out. Like, I've been able to finally get to the, the swamp pretty easily, which is the next level. Um, I haven't finished a run yet, so I will let you know what else it unlocks. But I know so far it's been playing this campaign that I just unlocked the Swamp Creatures for my starting build. Nice. So that would be something that would be cool. But anyways, Urtok yeah. um, the Desolation, uh, I recommend it if you like turn-based. Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, it's It seems... It runs super well. It'll, it'll run on a potato. Yeah, it, it looks fairly, uh, fairly deep as far as, you know, the kind of... Uh, the kind of strategy that you, you would enjoy. Well, every build is unique because of the mutations, and as you fight different creatures, you get different abilities. So, like, I unlocked an ability while I was playing that if I get to zero health, I'll block, like, the next three attacks and heal myself a poison and have ten health. So it basically gives me, like, a last stand, but I got that from almost dying multiple times. <laughs> um, I was fighting a lot of vampires, so I've got one creature that's very tough versus vampires. I was fighting a lot of beasts, and so my uh, my crossbowman now is very strong versus beasts. Uh, the beasts being these weird, grotesque monster things. Yeah, everything is is kind of gritty looking. Yeah, it's it's all it kind of looks very undeadish. Um, you know, even some of the characters that you play have like bones sticking out in some places. Um, but you know, it's it's got that kind of art style. It it really does take. Uh, take some artistic. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the word is. Uh, it takes, it's some inspiration from it, like Darkest Dungeon, but it's like two eleven. I, like I feel like it's way more gritty than Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 pretty well drawn. I really like the art style. Yeah. Um, I started playing stuff. something else that was on sale because it launched, and I didn't know anything about it. But I do like Devolver Digital. Right. As a publisher, generally, and they come up with some pretty weird idea games. And there's this game, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah, like the, what was the dick game called? Uh, genital jousting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, so there's this game that just recently they published called Loop Hero, um, and I was showing Jason what Loop Hero is, and it's really hard to get a grasp of what it is without watching somebody stream. I'll just be honest with you. Okay. Um, Loop Hero is Sort of a card battler, but not really. It's sort of an idle game, but not really. It's sort of a strategy game, but not really. So let me explain. Loop Hero is a, it's another roguelike. I mean, I, I love roguelites. Right. But what it is, is you, uh, without going to the story too deep, basically you have a loop, right? So uh, it creates a path. And then you've got a deck of cards, which are different tile sets that you place. So they come up as you defeat enemies, and your character auto-battles. Um, every time you defeat an enemy, most of the time you get some kind of resource, whether it be a resource for your village that you're building or whether it's a tile set that you're going to place. I didn't understand the tile sets when I first played it. Then I understood the tile sets. So <clears throat> this is how it works. So like your mountains give you like plus five HP, but also plus five HP for every mountain adjacent to it. So you start building out the map. It's your character remembering the world. Oh, uh, okay. 
So that's what that card's for. It builds out the map. When I build several mountains together, I create a big mountain, which gives me a whole bunch of rocks for my village to build stuff. Um, every time I place down a meadow, it gives me plus five HP for every day that goes by. I've got cards in my deck that I've unlocked that let me advance days faster. When days advance, creatures spawn. You can also place spawners down on the path as you're going around and around and around. And that lets you unlock, uh, or that gives you more opportunities for loot as you defeat monsters. The loot is the resources, the cards, or um, items for your character. There are different unlockable character types. The character type I'm playing right now is a warrior. And you kind of got two different builds for a warrior, either an evasion warrior with HP per second, or a vampire warrior where you get health from from attacking things. Right. So you build it out one of the two ways, and you try to stay with that. But you're getting random loot as you go that's all different colored loot, right? Like the orange or whatever is the best. Right. And every time you go around the loop, the, loop, the, car- the creatures increase in level. And the risk-reward portion of this is if you retreat right before you get to the end of the loop, then you take whatever you got with you, and then you use it to build up your 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 fortress that you're building or whatever, your village. If you don't, you go around it approximately like seven to ten times, depending on how many things you're fighting. A boss will spawn, and you have to fight the boss. If you lose, you only take back 30% of what you took. If you retreat on the run, which means you already passed your starting point, right? you only take back 60%. So the idea is to get as close to where you're not gaining enough health back that when you get to the next run... You're not going to be able to complete it, or um, you you feel powerful enough to fight the boss. But I'm unlocking different cards as I go through each run mm-hmm. that give me more tile sets to place that give different status effects. And the village is letting me unlock cards and items and potions and things like that for my character so he's stronger when he goes through the run. And I'm only on the first run. Okay. So, yeah. but you but you can pause it by hitting spacebar or right clicking, and then move stuff around or add tiles or whatever, and you can speed it up to like two times speed. So he just goes through, and then he auto fights or whatever. But like, there's some strategy there, and there's some interaction there. The only it's just weird that you're not actually fighting, but it works. It work it works really well actually. Like I'm, but the runs are kind of to to have a reward that's worth a damn. A standard run for me is taking about 20 minutes before I feel like I've gotten enough materials to get something I want. And the synergy between items that you're placing, right, starts to make sense. Like the lanterns decrease the spawn rates of monsters. So if you're starting to get overwhelmed in an area, put down a lantern so it doesn't spawn quite as much stuff. But the 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 downside to that is I might not level up fast enough. Right. But if I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm not going to complete the loop, it's probably better for me to drop the lantern decrease the spawn rate of that area so that I don't get as overwhelmed. So can you it, remove tiles? You sure can. There's a there's a certain card that you get and right you're you're picking up cards that you defeat enemies that lets you remove stuff. So that'll let you remove like a high a spawner that's spawning really high level enemies. Um if it's get starting to overwhelm you, but you don't get that card very often. I'm sure the more you run the more often you can unlock more opportunities for that. So far, every run, I unlock about five opportunities to remove a tile. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a very unique like it. You see it, and you're like, oh, it's an auto battler, right? Like I I fully intended on picking it up, and within an hour, if I didn't like it, I was going to refund it and say screw it. But I just saw 
be honest with you, and I'll credit TVGP for this. I saw Boston playing it on launch day. I was like, he likes card games like I like card games, but it's not really a card game. And then it was an auto battler. So initially I was actually pretty turned off. And then it just clicked when I figured out that there's a synergy between tile sets as you're doing stuff. Um, it is done in a very like uh, basically Super Nintendo art style or super high res NES art style. Yeah, I was just looking at that. But you can clean up the like. There's some options to clean up the text so that it's easy to read and etc. But Loop Hero is actually a really competent game, and I did not expect it. Like I'm probably about five hours in now with my gameplay, and after I woke up from my uh, comatose nap, that's actually what I was playing when Jason got here was Loop Hero, and I wanted to kind of show or explain what in the hell I was doing with this game. Yeah, because even me explaining it here. It's kind of hard to get an idea of what it's like. Like, it's actually one of those I would recommend, like, watch a stream of somebody starting out to see if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Just trust Devolver Digital to come <clears throat> up with something unique, right? They they have... They, man, they're hit and miss, but... They, I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> I mean, genital jousting was basically kind of like a joke. I mean, it... it, it it's it a funny be, joke. It, it's a funny joke, and, it, and the game can be fun for a short period of time, but it's it's one of those, like... We're going to try something off the wall. Well, let's try this. Let's try uh, fully uh, animated penises sticking or uh, sticking in orifices. It's dick butt the game, um, basically. Literally. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they have they, – they take chances on, you know, on games and sometimes they just come up with something that, you know, that just works. Yeah, this isn't hitting Valheim numbers, but I know that like on within their first few days, they've sold like 250,000 copies. I, I think, I mean, Valheim is, actually just went viral, I think. But the Valheim uh, did go viral. I Some people picked it up that were high. Yeah, high, uh, high visibility. High visibility streamers picked it up, but it's a genuinely good game. But if you're looking for something for about 12 bucks to really pass some time that like mm-hmm. if this kind of thing appeals to you, watch a couple streams and see what you think. Yeah. I've actually had a hell of a lot of fun with it. I may play it a little bit before I go to bed tonight, to be honest yeah. with you. I yeah. just – I actually enjoy it. It's got a really quirky story too that I seem to enjoy so far. Um, and they do comment a lot on when you're running into some of the enemy types again about how he's starting to remember this or that or whatever. You're like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, this is – you know, this is the kind of game that, you know, that – that I could probably get into, especially on, you know, on days where I kind of need to focus on, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to focus, but, and, and I want to have something to do with my hands, but I could always pause and just move on to other things, right? Yeah, you uh, literally, it, you can't just, you could just run loops over and over and over again and not pay attention to what you would run into as you wouldn't be equipping your loot. Or putting down the tile sets or doing any of the things you need to be doing in between all of that. Right. It's just, you know, it's it sounds like you would you had said it's kind of a mesh of, you know, like three different things, but not quite what those things represent. So they're like, we've got some, you know, we've got an idea about a card game, but we don't want to make it just a card game. We want an auto battler, but we don't want it to be like. Oh, it's way another. more interesting than an auto battler. But this would be one of those things that if you wanted to stream your through Steam Link mm-hmm. and play this on a tablet, you literally need a mouse <laughs> or, you, or or a touch screen. Can you do a touch? Oh screen? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got one button to pause. It's either left and right click. That's literally all you need. Oh well, I mean, 
<laughs> this is gonna sound dirty as fuck, but I enjoy a game that I only need to use one hand for. <laughs> yeah, but it, it uh, it, it's a it's a really interesting game with a really interesting premise, and I I could see myself sinking a lot of time into it. You can look at some of the reviews. There's some people who have already put like 50 hours into that. Yeah, game. I was just looking. And at it released the, uh... like two days ago. Yeah, I just I was just looking at the uh, at, at the you know the reviews and. Um, getting us some pictures on, on the, uh, the old handheld device and it's, um, I mean, it's got a 10 out of 10 right now on steam, 92% liked, uh, 84% Metacritic. Not that these numbers mean anything to you individually. Um, but it's a good, like starting place as an indicator of what people think. But just like Justin said, I mean, if if you're wondering about it, watch somebody stream it for a little bit, and it's cheap. Yeah, enough. it it took me a it took me a minute to. I really did think, okay, I'm gonna try it for a minute, and then if it doesn't hook me pretty quickly, I'm just gonna give it back to Steam. And I played it, and then I died, and then it clicked once I started building immediately after that, and I was like, oh, oh, that's, okay, I like I that's like that the loop. Oh, yeah. there's the game. Oh, that's the name. Oh, and that's how Devolver Digital Games work. Uh, is, is... I just like original concepts. And I, like, even with it being several different concepts tied together, it's done in an original way that just feels refreshing. And I, that's, you know, at 38 years old, going on 39, like I've oh, seen a lot of different types of games, right? Three going on four. <laughs> I know. The you're talking with your hands again. Well, I, I've been trying to keep my hands steady, but the, she it, thought you were trying to talk to her. It, it's it's time for puppy love again. Um, Why don't we take a break? Yeah, and then we'll, we'll be back. Hey, and we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to, we had to geek out to some some stuff and things. Some stuff and things. Literally, we just talked more BattleTech and Valheim offline because we know that we could run along in the tooth on the show. Um, yeah, you can tell we're genuinely interested. Yeah, that's some that's some good quality game for cheap. And again, this week I've never stopped playing. Yeah. It's basically like everything that we've bought, you know, every, between the three of us, everything that we're playing is probably like $25 or less. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, you can game on the cheap and, and, and we're definitely, it's not necessarily the goal, but that's what's available right now. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, we're, we're definitely doing it on, on the cheap and that is good. I mean, good hours too on, right. on each one of these uh, yeah. for – you know, a small investment. So, I mean, there's no, no reason not to. But, hey, it's news time, and we're going to talk about a game that we're never going to get to play. Oh, what's that? Artifact has officially been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to segue into that. <laughs> so, Artifact. Uh, I remember a little bit about Artifact. It's basically Steam's answer to, like, uh, Hearthstone. Uh, like 
yeah, Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering. It's just like a collectible card game, right? Yeah. Uh, and they were trying to monetize it and, and do things. If I remember correctly, that game did not take off, like, at all. <laughs> no. Nope. No, it's basically uh, Steam's or Valve's uh, lowest played game. Yeah, it... Yeah. It was pretty abysmal to the point where there was like double digit numbers of concurrent players, like 25 people in the world were playing this game. Uh to it was pretty bad. Even and, even Valve can bomb. I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends. Well, I mean, Valve is kind of generally kind of that way either they have a big hit on their no. hands or this is literally the first time something is bombed from from Valve. That uh, that is their uh it's one of their biggest failures uh yeah. as far as a game is concerned and it shows that they can too fail. Um it is actually, you know, that game was kind of doomed to fail from the beginning because uh you know the you know, Magic the Gathering Arena was around, you know, that and Magic yeah. has been around since the 80s, you know, and that is already kind of got a following. And Artifact had to be different enough from any other card game to, you know, to be continue, you know, to look unique, right? Um, and that difference just didn't catch with people. Uh, so now the game is being split into two. It's still going to be available, but the active development is gone. Uh, and all of the cards that were previously monetized are now free. So uh, whatever is currently in the game, you can play. Uh, but nothing is being done with it after this. So it is officially dead. Um, so those 25 people that were still playing the game are probably disappointed. But uh, for me, it really doesn't matter to that much. I, 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 do, I don't play a whole lot of card games like that, you know, especially digital ones. Yeah. Um, mainly because I spent so many hundreds and thousands of dollars on, you know, Magic the Gathering when I was, and basically all of my paychecks were going to it when I was playing it. So it's a good, good thing I got out of that habit. Otherwise I'd probably be living like, you know, out of a Magic the Gathering box. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, yeah. 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 Which, I mean, <laughs> you gotta say that is one thing for Magic the Gathering. It holds on. Well, like, I mean, I was looking up, you know, I was looking up the, the card values from some of the stuff that I mm -hmm. was playing with back in the day. And if I had kept all of my cards, I'd, I basically fire sold all my cards when I moved, um, just trying to like cut and run, you know, but I sold like a lot of cards that were really valuable to a kid for like 50 bucks. And that was worth like hundreds of dollars each now. I'm thinking some of those cards are now worth thousands of dollars. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're not printed anymore. Right. Right, that's the thing. Um, and continuing the talk about uh, about game specific news, uh, Aliens Fire Team has been an announced and confirmed. It's just like a kind of Left for Dead style horde shooter co op experience is what it looks like. I don't know a lot of specifics on it with RPG elements. It's gonna have it's gonna have some things that you can upgrade as far as your character is concerned as well. 
I know that me and, you know, former, well, behind the scenes tiltcaster Trent mm-hmm. have talked about it. He really wants to get it on Xbox One to get a friend of his on. Yep. I'm really hoping it has cross play with PC so I can make like a cross save or something at least. At the very least. At the very least, because I'm just. You don't want to buy, play it twice. And I don't want to play it twice. And you're going to play it on PC twice. on me, you know, with me. And I will only play it on PC. So. I mean, I've got <laughs> $2,500 in hardware on one end. Right. That runs it at four times as good. Or I can run it on the, the old console potato. Right. Nobody wants that. Uh, so I, I understand that uh, fire team. There's, there's some like people kind of shying away from this, trying to see what comes of it, uh, because everybody that is interested in the Aliens franchise remembers Colonial Marines um, and how I bad mean, that looked. That um, that was a very hard lesson for a lot of people. And that that lesson Tried is... to like, did not like. Right. And that's the same thing with a lot of people is you wanted to like it, but you you just just couldn't. Um, it's so just this, a bad game. So this is supposed to be the, you know, the redemption. Like it's not, it's not the same developer or anything, but it's redemption of the, uh, of that type of franchise, of the alien franchise. I mean, did we figure out who has the, what company has it? I, I, I don't have that information right in front of me. Uh, it can be looked up though. Uh, the, the, the thing about, uh, this this game fire team is that being a co-op experience uh with you're playing four dudes you know in a team uh against the xenomorphs and just from the small snippets of gameplay that i've seen and the trailer that they put out it's looking really good it it looks good but how does it play? And that's the you know that's the big question. That is a big question. Um, I mean, Colonial Marines at the time looked good. Looked good, but but then you got into actual gameplay, and it was it was it a was, whole lot of bad. It was a whole lot of ass. It's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, hope and prayer because the this is the developer's first game. Oh, okay. So this is so like... it's made by a company called Cold Iron Studios. I had to look it up, and I guess they've been around since 2015. This is their first release, so they're industry veterans that form their own company. I don't know what else they've been doing, but the studio was started with. So this is just off their official page. Three industry veterans with the goal of creating games they want to play and building a team they love working with. Okay, so it's 20 people that are working on that. The members of the team have worked on. City of Heroes, Star Trek Online, and Neverwinter, all three which are not this type of game. Right. So. Well, for this kind of game, gunplay is going to be a big thing. Uh, from yeah, what None I of saw, their previous experience includes gunplay. Yeah, and from what I saw, this is a third-person situation. Uh, so there's. You probably need the third person for situational awareness in a swarm shooter, I think. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, there's some games that do fairly I mean, well Deep on Rock the first. Does. Yeah, first person is is all right, and so does Vermintide. Vermintide's also very good at the first person like awareness situation. But uh, aliens are very sneaky, and they can come from like all kinds of different angles. So, 
it's set to come out. It's going to come out at an unfortunate time because um, Back for Blood right. comes out a month before this comes out. Well, well, so it's set to release mid-2021. They've got a release date of Back for Blood in June, and the people at Left for Dead kind of created this genre. Yes. And, and they've had nothing – well, they've had they've had a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the name of that game that had the, the asymmetric battler? Uh, uh, Evolve. Oh, Evolve, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm hoping they learned some things from Evolve because that didn't ever really quite get anywhere. It had good bones. It just – there was some some major missteps that they had – It just not... – it got too broken on one side or the other and – Yeah. It was, it was bad. Um, I think for a game like that, like I really want to try a Hunt Showdown once it launches with somebody and maybe play that a little bit. Oh, that's the one that you fucking like have permadeath on your character, isn't it? It's a match-based game or not match. It's it's a game where you play PvE slash PvP with a couple of people, but you're most it's like you team up with others mm-hmm. to all fight the same things in the PvE environment and you try to fuck each other over while not getting fucked over by everything else. Great. With like um, a horror setting. Yeah, that that sounds just fantastic. Like I wouldn't want to reach I, through the fucking you know the internet and fucking strangle a fool. But anyways, um, long story <laughs> short, Fireteam so far looks cool. Um, I won't say anything until I've like actually really seen some hands-on with it. I, like I say, I pretty much know I'm going to be if, if having was, to get this at some point because Trent is going to beg me to. If it was between Back for Blood and Aliens Fireteam, I would probably pick Aliens Fireteam because... Fuck zombies. Um, I, I just really like the team that behind Left 4 Dead. And y- this yeah. show has, with the exception of you. Uh, right. I'm the only person in, uh, on here that really, I mean, I've played Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Like if but, we played it on 360, mm-hmm. me and Trent, Trent probably has 3,000 hours in it. <laughs> yeah. I probably have 1,000 hours in Left 4 Dead. Yeah. And Left 4 Dead 2. Because we played it like every three or four days for about two years. And between you and Trent, playing it with you and Trent, and playing it with my wife, I have probably 800 hours plus. Yeah, like I've just, again, finding a game to co-op and play with others with, and then even play. We are setting up whole teams of groups against each other, young people that we play with, not randos, and had a lot of fun with it. But... So back for blood will be something that I'm going to be getting. I I know because Trent's going to kind of bug me to buy it, but um, I planned on getting it even if he wasn't going to play it. But there's no way he's not going to play that. <laughs> right. I'm I'm looking at some gameplay that IGN posted. All credit to them with that. And so far, looking pretty neat. This looks really neat. Yeah, I, I'm probably going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm probably. I'm going to save some bones back for that. Uh, so just just so you know, Left 4 Dead has 1.5 hours on record on my Steam, and uh, yeah, that is one of my lowest played games. <laughs> so well, I can't tell you my count 
exactly from Steam because I've never played Left 4 Dead on Steam. I always played it on Xbox. Right. Well, I've only ever played it on Steam. So uh, there's that. That is the total, the sum total of all of my play hours into Left 4 Dead. Uh, that is that is a thing. So we'll watch uh, Aliens Fire Team for sure, and you'll probably hear you know back for blood from us as soon as that you know becomes a thing that we can get in our hands uh and yeah i'll probably still get it because i'm that guy that i will i will put aside some of my you know my my misgivings for things and just try it he'll he'll put aside some of his zombie hate i I mean uh, there are still some games that fucking you know that still interest me if you ever, because it is a resource gathering game, and like if you ever get a hair up your ass, and want to play State of Decay two, like that is a very salt game. You, you, I mean, it takes it takes actual like mental thought for me to actually put any time into a zombie game, um, because I have to find something that's rewarding about it outside of like zombie combat, because it's. That's it's fucking. I hate zombies. It's permanent upgrades for your characters as you go. Okay. Well, I mean that's. And then it's mostly a resource management game where you fight off things as you resource manage. So it's basically a survival game. Okay. Well, with limited. No, you're not building things up. You're upgrading things. Okay. Well, there's there's the problem. If you notice, my time in Seven Days to Die has always been base building. You know that's so... upgraded again. So you ought to try that again at some point. <laughs> So that's that's the thing. I have to find something rewarding about it. And most of the time it's a base, you know, building a base or defending a base. Um, or just crafting in general. Right. Because you have a good crafting mechanic, you'll get rusty to play your zombie game. Yeah. Yeah, go figure. And I still haven't played one hour of Minecraft. Go figure. Yeah, I think <laughs> Minecraft is stupid solid. Like, if you've never played Minecraft... I mean, just get it off Game Pass and give it a shot. Like, it's one of, it's, I've sunk thousands of hours into that in an alpha, not realizing it was going to become a thing. And, you know, I've, it's just only grown. It's a very fun game. I just have never put any time into it. Uh, is it a, is it a kid's game, essentially? Um, I think it's just a transcendental game in that way, right. like Mario is, right? Like Mario could be considered a kid's game or a hardcore game. I've been cons- And Minecraft is the same way, is it could be a kid's game or a hardcore game, depending on how you want to play it. I've been considering it because, uh, I mean, the, the idea of, you know, playing Minecraft for the first time with RTX on, you know, playing the RTX version of it, uh, that sounds really fun. <laughs> and it... it Adds a dimension to it. Right. So with that, um, moving on to some non-game-centric news. Uh, SEC approved Microsoft's purchase of Cinemax and Bethesda. Oh, boy. So now that's official. So that, now that can officially the, move on and the, be finalized. The paperwork is now done. You can... Uh, you you can definitely see, uh, you can definitely see micro, uh, Microsoft you know, benefiting from that for sure. And I'm kind of hoping to see if uh, Fallout 
before VR goes to it. So when I finally decide to buy another set of optics, right? Um, I I may jump into that. That was actually pretty cool last time I played it. Yeah. Uh, what I'm looking for is, I mean, Microsoft has like Microsoft money, right? So, uh, you know, and this is Bethesda, Zenimax, basically the whole like roundup of the whole thing, right? Uh, but yep. Bethesda is the big, you know, big name that people recognize. So Bethesda has their hands in a lot of stuff. And Zenimax also, I mean, that includes uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Yep. Uh, that includes, you know, basically um, the entirety of Elder Scrolls. Uh, so seeing, you know, Elder Scrolls with Microsoft money kind of gives me a little hope that that will come through with a good, you know, with a good set of polish on it. Yeah. Um, and that it's not going to be bogged down by, you know, you know, money issues, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're surviving one game to the next. Not that they don't have hits. Right. But it's, it's like... It's been a long fucking time since there's been an Elder Scrolls game. Uh, I mean, Skyrim has been, you know, done to death and... Um, they've been living off... Fucking, you know everything. They've basically been living on Fallout 4 and ESO money because 76 did so poorly on launch. Right. And I mean, they needed to have and, uh, something. And Fallout Shelter. Like, that's what they've been living off of. Yeah. And they needed yeah. to have something to actually, you know, to work with. So hopefully, I'm hoping that the Microsoft money allows for a very good Elder Scrolls 6, whatever it's, you know, being named. Um, and uh, it, that it has you know, a, a good, uh, oh fuck, words are escaping me right now. Uh, like the good future for the Fallout series. I want to see yeah. another Fallout game that's not an online, you know, game. I just want to see a good Yeah, there's a, there's game. rumors about Fallout 5. I always check this stuff on Fallout. It's one of my favorite franchises, but. Right. Um, oh boy. But there's not, <laughs> there's not any thing concrete or solid right now right and it's basically you know along the same lines as uh elder scrolls i'm yeah. i'm big into elder scrolls so i want to see that yeah a lot of the new fallout stuff is just rumors still um and speaking of rumors oh yeah rumored that we're going to get new nintendo hardware soon yeah it, so like the they're talking about there's a rumor going around right now that they're going to put an oled screen oh yeah on Seven the inch. switch Seven inch, yeah, yeah, that's a big fucking screen for you know, for a handheld. And they're talking about setting it to be able to power 4K resolution through upscaling. What from, on, from a fucking switch? Yeah, from a switch Ooh. to your TV because they're not nearly at five years out. They're not nearly as competitive with the new consoles. No, yeah, it, no it, way. it came out during the Xbox One era, but prior to the Elite, prior to the PS4 Pro. But Nintendo's and, always been that way. They've been kind of behind the ball as far as the tech is concerned. They're trying. The tech to, is more on the innovative side, right? Less than the, uh, less than the oomph. They didn't have. They don't have. They don't have muscle behind it. They have you know interesting ideas. So right. I'm pretty interested in what's going to happen. A, a lot of the thing is too is I think there's a, a Bloomberg story that's talking about what some of the potential things that may happen with this is because they're not relying on the same hardware as the new consoles that the availability of the switch during pandemic this year and closer to the holidays will actually boost their sales again from you know because animal crossing was a big deal last year even though we didn't play it right there was a lot of people buying switches just to get that game That's so true. i did want to talk about one other thing though mm-hmm. um 
anybody here, well, I'm the biggest Souls fan in the group, um, but From Software has that game, you know, called Elden Ring. Yeah. They, basically what's happened right now is lately they, uh, they've said that overall, what do you call it? Overall development's been hampered by the pandemic from, of course, working from home. And so they're pretty far behind right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, if you search on the internet, some, somebody took their phone <laughs> and recorded, I, I'm assuming at the studio or somewhere, um, some basic trailer stuff they're working on that's a work in progress. Oh, yeah. That shows some very Souls-like gameplay mechanics. I'm not seeing any health bars or anything like that. It just looks like next-gen graphics with the same weird-ass art style. And I mean, you know, wizards and we knew that knights and all that other shit. Like it really does look like another Souls type game. Um, the the trailer for it is very low res, as it's being a recording of a recording of a pre release, um, not demo, but like promo that's being worked on. And it was originally taken on a friggin' like Nokia, from what I understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's a leaked trailer if you want to look for the Elden Ring trailer but right now it's they're saying it's unlikely to release this year yeah it's it's fine take your time uh when it comes you know Miyazaki, be, uh, you can do whatever you want yeah uh, i want to see something cool um uh, and i am looking forward to it because Spe- Sekiro did not resonate with me right yeah. speaking of taking your time uh-huh. that is most likely one thing that zenimax and and bethesda gain with the Microsoft purchase taking time. Cause if, cause if it's one thing Microsoft is proven is they'd rather have the quality right. over the quantity. Right. Yeah. Please, cause they did that with halo recently and please don't do another 76. They would freaking stop that shit before it ever released. So there's that. I mean, I'm hoping that that's, you know, that's what we get out of it. So, uh, I mean, it's also exciting to see Bethesda games coming to, you know, Game Pass, uh, you know, as a good possibility, too. So there's that. <laughs> right. Adding more uh, adding more value there. Infinitely more value. So. Um, and then I think, Rusty, you had some tech news. Some 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 interesting tech news that has to do with uh uh, actually, the consoles and both uh, <clears throat> the uh, PlayStation and Xbox uh, markets as well as PC. Uh, AMD is uh, is in is really close to actually releasing a feature that mirrors kind of like what DLSS does for NVIDIA cards. Okay, and they're calling it Fidelity, uh, Fidelity FX. It does about the same thing uh, as uh, as DLSS, where it will render the game at a lower resolution and then upscale it to 4K. And the upscaling they're doing is using AI to predict frames, right? Right. It, it uh, uses AI to actually uh, to do kind of like an anti-aliasing pass and making sure that everything is a little sharper. So DLSS is better than 
just straight up anti-aliasing because it uses less resources on the graphics card because it's using a lower resolution instead of trying to run passes over a 4K image, it runs passes over a 2K image and then brings it up to 4K. Um, so that means that you'll get more performance overhead for games, you know, using, you know, a DLSS or Fidelity FX once it comes out. Yeah. And that also AMD really is pushing NVIDIA right now when it comes to overall hardware prices. Right. And in today's market, there's just, it's just like we were talking last week, like the 3060 um, software pass they were putting out to help stop miners was hacked almost immediately. Right. So it's one of those things where like, because they're using the architecture they are at NVIDIA, they've got a lower supply on their chips. And AMD is not doing quite the same thing. They're just adding additional RAM from the onset to help offset that speed that NVIDIA is using. Right. And while it's not exactly the same, it's close enough, I think, for most people, if they get this right, mm -hmm. to provide a real good um, competition for NVIDIA and hopefully get some graphics cards in the market for a lot of people. Like AMD is not the same company they were 10 years ago. I think what we have AMD hardware in the recording machine. Yep. I have an AMD chipset Ryzen in my PC. Mm -hmm. um, do you, do you have CPU. AMD anything? That's that's CPU though. I, I haven't actually moved over. Uh, I had considered an AMD CPU for – uh, for my machine, like but price to performance, like completely annihilates in, uh, Intel. Yeah, and, and Intel still kind of is teetering on the edge. They still have the crown, but the now it's starting to change hands. It, you well, know, so as the new, I'm not a car guy, right? But it's like you've got AMD's like the Corvette, right? <laughs> and Intel is like the Ferrari. You can pay four times the price of the Ferrari, Ferrari, and get a sleeker product that is faster. But the Corvette costs way less. And it can get almost there. And can almost get there, you know? Right. And that's like how I've always seen it. Like, And that's what I mean by price performance. Like, It's not quite that different, but we're talking like 30 to 40% increase on price with, with Intel for very, very marginal performance gains. Well, Intel's kind of been, you know... Uh, stagnating and kind of it, and it's kind of the same thing before the 3000 series launch you could say the same thing about Nvidia because yeah. the 2000 series launch was you know was also not that big of an upgrade over like if you had a 1080 Ti there was really no reason to upgrade to you know to the tw well, uh, 2000 series and outside of getting RTX which was gen 1 RTX and then at that time there was well, there's still almost nothing that runs RTX. Right. And that's that's still kind of an emerging technology. But the big thing with RTX is that it allowed for DLSS. Uh, and DLSS was kind of like the sleeper feature that, you know, that took off. That that allowed people to play uh, to play games and get more frames and better performance out of their cards uh, by using DLSS's you know, version of upscaling the picture. And honestly, looking at them side by side, there's only very minor differences, even with a monitor in front of my screen. You well, know, like, you know, I have to get up to the TV to see the difference on Death Stranding. Right. And that's, and that is an, uh, one of the things that you can see. And it runs like at three times the frame rate that my TV supports. That's, and that's great, right? Well, with, uh, with AMD's, 
uh, Fidelity FX, it's not only going to affect the PC market with uh, with the you know the Radeon six thousand series cords, right? Um, that's a uh, that's a big bonus for those people who did pick up you know AMD's graphics cards if you could find one because I mean graphics cards are kind of a rarity nowadays. But the uh, the biggest benefit out of this is that the consoles are using AMD's technology. So the console graphics on you know on the uh, Series X and the PlayStation Five is using AMD's graphics technology, and they will get Fidelity FX. Yep. So Fidelity FX being a you know a a, a feature of the uh, the console graphics now all that all that needs to be done is updates to certain games that come out for that or a graphics option included in games to take advantage of fidelity effects and that will mean that you could still uh, that you could run 4k and get the performance overhead of a dlss like uh you know feature so you can use the upscaling to actually Increase the overhead on your consoles, which will increase the life of those consoles because you can push more graphics uh, and more, you know, more features into the game and still have that graphics overhead because consoles are kind of like a like a, a constricted market. You can't yep. you, you don't have a whole lot of whole lot to work with on those. But a feature like this will open it up so that you can, you know, that you can just build that in. And DLSS uh, or Fidelity FX in this case can, you know, can be basically a always on feature for those. So it will read whatever monitor you're, uh, you're running, uh, whether that be a normal HDTV or a 4K TV and automatically apply the right profile so that it would have a good frame rate no matter what. So that, I mean, there's, there's options there and that's really exciting because that, you know, that is one of the biggest issues with, uh, with consoles is that over time they just bog down. Like, yeah, they, you, you, then they get at the pro editions, et cetera. Right. And this will allow the, you know, the, the base consoles that we've got currently to last longer and then those pro editions will probably be, you know, a couple years out, you know, you know, farther out than they would normally be, right? So it is really, you know, a really exciting, you know, bit of news that I saw from the tech world. That that you know, it's also really exciting. Yeah, um, Green Man is having a huge sale right now. Oh, is it? Oh God, fuck. Let me look. <laughs> yeah, saw Monster Hunter World on there, and. I saw Katamari Damacy re-roll for $5 on Steam. Ooh. Because I love me some Katamari. Yeah. Um, I'll probably pick up Katamari. Tonight. Best ever sale, huh? <laughs> there is a crazy amount of stuff on here. Oh, boy. Yeah, there is. Um, Green Man is very safe. Yeah. Green Man is a very safe key seller. Um. I have literally had zero issue with Green Man. Oh my gosh! Wow. Um, but it's is... a it's better than a Steam sale right now. Honestly, most of the time they're better than Steam. Well, Unless Steam is having their huge sales, and then sometimes they're still better. <laughs> right. That is a lot of stuff, man. Um. So damn. 
Um, I don't know that we have much other news, do we? Was that was that the uh, the, yeah, the sum total? That's it. Okay, that that's that's uh, all the news you're getting from us this week. <laughs> so, Jason, where the hell can you find us? Find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash TheRealTiltCast, and search for us on iTunes, Spotify, rate us, and review us. Yeah, and if you could, tell a friend about the show, if you like the show. Tell a friend. Um, we want to continue to expand the show. I know that we're way long into this, but we're mm. starting, with all the money we've invested in the show, we do want to continue to grow. And uh, it would help us out a lot if you could help us break out of the – from super indie to a little bit less indie. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that would be great. If you can share it with a few of your friends, that would be great uh, if you really do enjoy the show. We appreciate that. Um, also, uh, if you do want to contact us or ask us any questions, um, I am still locked out of our email. Go figure. Um, and have retried multiple times to get into our email. Um you can message us on Twitter. Yes. Um, other things, though. Fun Cabbage, which is uh, former Tiltcaster Trent, who does a video series from time to time on different games, uh, mostly horror-based. You can find For the Love of Gaming. Um, you can find NoQuarters.net, BMFCast.com, Picking Up the Pixels, and TVGP.TV. They like Game Pass as much as we do. And with that, it is the end of the show. All right. Peace. Peace.